New York Magazine's Sex Lives podcast is sponsored by Masters of Sex. The critically acclaimed series is back for a third season. Watch it this Sunday at 10, 9 central, only on Showtime. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey Maureen. Hey David. And Allison Davis of The Cut. Hey Allison. Hello. Today we're going to be talking to one of the women behind the number one crowdfunded sex toy, the Eva. And we're also going to be talking about what it's like to have an amateur dating coach, even just for a couple of days. Um, as part of the Cuts Advice Week, Allison basically let Kate Bola completely dictate her dating life. And she fell in love, although she fell in love with Kate Bullock, not with the person she was dating. It makes me sound so sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on to our first topic, the Eva. So in less than a month, Alex Fine, who's with us here, and her partner Janet Lieberman stormed past an Indiegogo fundraising goal of half a million dollars and collected, I think, fully a million dollars in pre-sales for their product, um, which they describe as the first hands-free, strap-free, non-intrusive couples vibrator. And there's one sitting in the table between us. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. Alex, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So tell us about this thing that's um, sitting between us sort of buzzing. Yeah, sure. So we like to talk at Dame Products about something called the pleasure gap. So women are have half as many orgasms as men do. Um, they're also four times likely to say that sex is not at all pleasurable in the past year. Um, and that was just something we really wanted to go after. And we thought that, well, you know, sex toys aren't the only way to help that stat and improve and close those gaps. But um, 70% of women do need clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. So we thought we could make a better solution than the current solutions out there in allowing women to get clitoral stimulation during sex with as minimal impact um, on their partner's experience. And this is really designed to be a couple's device, right? I mean, it works very well solo, too. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, of course, it, it still vibrates on your clitoris, regardless if there is something penetrating you. But it was designed to stay out of the way so you could have penetrative sex. Um, so it sort of has like a wishbone design. Exactly. Yeah, I'm wondering, how are we going to oh. describe this so our listeners can, can you know envision what? it? Okay, I think it looks like one of the minions from the that like <laughs> Disney movie, new. right? It's yeah. like a little guy with little arms and one eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Or, I guess uh, no, you know, like the Monsters, Inc. guy. Oh, yeah. Like, like the blue, mm-hmm. What's the blue character's name? Mike. Mike, but small, but like a small Mike. Screen. Yeah, it's like a really small... Like the size of a quail egg, and then it has like little wishbone arms that are yeah. rubber that I assume you sort of squeeze in to your, your vagina. Your labia and then majora. The, wish, the uh. wishbone stays sort of clamped in your labia majora. So it actually doesn't clamp. If you think about those earbuds that you use um, to to dim the sound, you squish them and then you put them in your ear, and then right. they kind of fill up that space again. That works in a similar way. Yeah. So there's so there's bendable, flexible wings that nestle inside. We use the word nestle. Ah, it's <laughs> nice. Uh, inside the labia majora. And we, I mean, maybe we could like tweet out some <laughs> pictures. We'll put this on the, on our, on, yeah. on the cut. But it should we, be, it should be noted it. that your partner, um, Janet, is an MIT She's, engineer. Mm-hmm. So like this wing design is like, it's serious. It's like NASA level stuff, right? It's some like, NASA level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot, a lot of iteration and a lot of research that went in not only to the shape of the wing, but also what's the wing made out of, you know, and all of that. So we use 3D printers and we 
test our product a lot. <laughs> yeah. How did you get started? What was the origin? So I actually wanted to be a sex therapist. I went, um, as we were talking about, to Wash U, where Masters of Sex uh, mm. happened. And then That's to Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. Great, yeah. Great so, yeah, so there you go. Um, and then I went to Columbia and got my Masters in Clinical Psych, and I, I really wanted to be like a Dr. Ruth for a long time, and I wasn't quite sure how that was. I, I thought maybe I'd be a therapist, but I got really fed up with school and the system, and I ended up working at a startup, and I had a lot, a lot of vibrator ideas, and this is just the first one. And then I was trying to make this thing by myself for a while, which was mm, not very good. Oh, so even <laughs> though your partner is like the NASA genius, you are actually the genius behind this product. Well, I think we're both the genius behind <laughs> the product, but well, she's not in the studio. Yeah, she's, she's yeah. Like, yeah I, I mean, I, I mean, if I could show you the the prototypes that I was making, like yes, the concept was something that I had come up with, and and the wings, and I knew it needed to bend. But really designing it, understanding materials, understanding like how to manufacture things, that's all Janet. And um, it's not a competition, but she's smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> so what was like the thing that you, when you were looking at the market, feeling like wasn't there that you wanted to build? Like what are the distinctive features of this device? Okay. So for Eva specifically, I knew that there were very few couples design vibrators. And those that were sell really well. Um, and the thing that makes it a couple's design vibrator is the thing that, like, you can still be penetrated while you're using it? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, you could kind of just also market any vibrator. You know, it's it's a marketing thing a little bit. But, yeah. But it's also hands-free. It's hands-free. So yeah. you have, like, vibrating cock rings that sell very well, which um, its main functionality is not for the female. It's, it's to delay blood flow. So, but they tacked on vibrators to it and they sell really well. And the main reason is because women are trying to get clitoral stimulation from these vibrators. But the guy has to wear it. If you're not into cock rings, like it's an uncomfortable, can be mm -hmm. an uncomfortable experience for you as a guy. And then also the girl only gets the clitoral stimulation in deep thrust, if you will. So, like, my boyfriend was like, you're not moving anymore when we use this product. You're just like, sitting. You're just sitting there. <laughs> and he was like, this is not, oh, no, 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 right? So so that was definitely part of, like, the idea for this. And then there, there's also um, a really popular vibrator that's a U-shape, and it goes inside of the vagina along with the penis and then wraps back around and vibrates on the clitoris. Is it like a, like so a claw? It, or it like goes, so it'd be, like like if your tamp, <laughs> it'd be like if your tampon had a hook sticking out mm -hmm. that sort of reached around your clitoris. And it, so it okay. goes inside with the penis. So, you know, like your significant nug, your sigo as a... Is that what they call it? Is that like the term I of the industry? I just heard that. No, significant oh. other, like Wait, your SO. I like but it. But I love yeah. it, right? So my Josh, our newest employee, said it the other day on his podcast, oh, and I was like, Sigo, yeah, we're all right? using it now, thanks, Josh. Yeah. Wait, right. no, wait, can we go back to, how thin is this? Because it seems like a it lot of... It would require a lot of room. Yeah. So, right? actually, one, it's, right, it does require a lot of room, and depending, I think, on, on your body type and your anatomy, like, for, for when I tried it, it was, it was no bueno. Like, they have a really thin point. So, like, right at the vaginal opening, it, they're thinner, and then they get thicker inside. So they can actually place a lot more pressure in your vaginal, like, your frontal vaginal wall, which can feel really good. So it's it's definitely a fantastic tool for lots of women, but it just doesn't work for everyone because it, you, it just could be too much. It could be something your partner doesn't like, the way that plastic feel or that silicone feels or the vibration. Some men really like vibration, some don't. So we just wanted to kind of, like, chop that one in half somehow, like, create a mm -hmm. vibrator that gave you clitoral stimulation 
without the internal, like that's the non-intrusive. As you can tell, we have a lot of qualifiers on our first. <laughs> you know, we're the first. We struggle with that. Uh, um, but we wanted to create something that really just solved the actual problem, not problem, but the 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 customer pain point, if you will. Like women want clitor- women. Anybody with a vulva would like clitoral stimulation. And then all of these other solutions that exist out there do something else on top of that. Mm-hmm. They delay blood flow, right? They give you internal stimulation as well. That's supposed to feel good for the guy, but maybe that's not what you're looking for. So that was really what we saw in the market that wasn't existing. Um, besides holding one in place, like we made a really small vibrator. Like you can definitely get a uh-huh. way more powerful vibrator right. if you want to hold it. But this is just a different tool for your tool belt. It's interesting you keep using the word tool, not toy. We're really into that. But you know what doesn't sound good? Sex tool. That sounds (laughs) really bad. No. So we don't say that. Do you say, wait, it's a vagina vagina tool or just a tool? A tool for your vagina. A tool for your vagina. A vaginal tool. And so are they like available to the mainstream now? Yeah. So um, we have shipped over 8,000 units, which is crazy. Um, around the world, I couldn't believe the like, the international response mm-hmm. we got was pretty amazing. And um, and what do you attribute that to? Is that like what you were talking about before that women are just like? I think it's a real need. I yeah. just feel like the like the so many people were just like this makes so much sense. Like I immediately get it. I, I love the men that wrote in. You know, like my partner needs clitoral stimulation, and this is an amazing way for them to feel like they're getting it during intercourse. Were we talking about why the clitoris is external the other day? Yeah, you had some interesting theories. Oh about my god! This. I like <laughs> yes. We should go back to that. I yeah. asked if like there was any kind of was it coming from the question about if there was any kind of stigma about like needing a clitoral stimulation. I versus... cannot. Yeah. So seventy percent of women need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. Um, in fact, but a lot of women just like that's where they get most of their sexual pleasure from, or their most intense sexual like pleasure from. And yet, I cannot tell. you. So many women are like, "Oh my god, it's not just me." Like, that's just, like, a stat that people, it's just something they're not aware of. You know, like, nobody, like, that's not in sex ed. Even 20-something. Like, that's not in sex ed. Nobody tells you that. And I think a lot of women want, there does seem to be, for some reason, and I think that, like, of course it's, like, a societal construction and whatnot, but, but maybe it also just, it just makes so much sense that you would want to have an orgasm from intercourse, that that would somehow be better or like orgasming with your partner, which is something that I guess only like 30% of women are even capable of doing that unless you're doing, unless you're having clitoral stimulation. So like where, yeah, there's definitely a stigma. There's definitely, you know, a lot of guys that feel like, oh, that's not, you know, no, that's not true. Like I've, all the women I have. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if you ask yeah. like men and women, how many women do you think can do this? Yeah. <laughs> radically different answers. Yeah. So there's definitely a stigma. I think it's shedding. I, I think, as you guys were talking about the other day, there's a lot more dildos and vibrators right. in pop culture. So it's definitely changing, but it's still there. And there's just a lot of information that people just don't know about what is, you know, quote unquote, normal. Um, but I did, I did have a question because you're not the only person that I've been contacted by that's like trying to revolutionize the sex toy space. I feel like there's been kind of a new wave and Maureen you sent one over today of like yeah. women fronted companies that are redesigning vibrators um, and kind of like a new revolution of sex toys it's like and both artisanal and tech yeah yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Is really, and it I think is. we even spoke a little bit about this that there have been kind of some like different stages to like how sex toys have been empowering women like there was the I should let you talk about it as the sex expert here 
So, like, the first vibrator, apparently, was Cleopatra, and she took, like, these angry bees and put them in, like, a container. No. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, like, <laughs> that the, the world's most dangerous vibrator. I just love Cleopatra. <laughs> I hope that's true so, I love that so story. badly. Yes. But then, you know, women, doctors were relieving women of hysteria by right. by giving them orgasms, and then they created... Um, like these really scary looking vibrators right. for like a medical purpose. Um, but there's a, a history of the vibrator that's like, uh, I think someone gave me that says that women would buy them to be like, oh, I need to cure hysteria. Ha ha ha. Yes. But really they're just like, I now know I can get off and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> right. Like if you think I'm crazy, it's fine. I'm really happy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some like liberating aspect to like that first wave. And then when it came out of porn. And then it right. So then then like the the mass vibrating making companies were really, you know, porn producers because they were sold in the same novelty shops and they really weren't necessarily targeting women. Um the, the you know, their the market they're used to speaking to is not the same market that sex toys are being sold to, but there wasn't really a shift in communication. And then like about 15 years ago, we started seeing, well, one, e-commerce, which is huge for, for not having to go into these kind of skeevy shops. And also sex toy companies that make only sex toys and didn't also produce porn or anything like that. They were also making like pleasure objects like Lalo and Jimmy Jane. Like all really those pretty, like beautiful toys. Right. That, they changed the industry and like That's really only 15 modern. years old. That's crazy. It's like only like 15 yeah. years old, yeah. I mean, well, Hitachi made the Hitachi wands from, like, the 70s. But they, like, Hitachi doesn't make the Hitachi wand anymore. I really want Hitachi to come back and be like, we are proud. Well, and they've never also actually called it a sex personal massager. But they sold it to Vibratex, who makes the rabbit, which is the Sex in the City. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's so weird. I think of Hitachi as, like, a Donkey Kong game. (laughs) (laughs) But they also made, like, the, like, you know, Betty Dotson's, like, the all vibrator, like, this, this crazy powerful vibrator that... They literally make power tools. Besides that, mm-hmm. it's that they had the engine tech. <laughs> it's literally because they had the engine technology with the little like weighted engine or whatever they do that spins around. Yes, and oh, that's I'm what makes so... it vibrate. That is what makes things vibrate. I uh, we were talking about this the other day too, which is about what women don't know. What they really love is like a little piece of metal being like swung around. Like that's what it is. Like in fact, just as violent as the bees buzzing yeah, inside yeah, whatever Cleopatra was getting off yeah. of or whatever. It's just like a little piece of metal that we're spinning. And it creates vibration, and, and that's what we love. Oh, and going back to the original question, which was like, oh, so it, those products were really expensive, and they, they still are, and they're beautiful, and they're high quality. But, like, it couldn't be a tacky thing to own. It couldn't be cheesy if you spent that much money on it. It's kind of like where our th- our thought process is. It sounds like this is sort of almost the actual perfect model for, like, a Indiegogo Kickstarter shape thing, right? That it's, uh, uh-huh. it's something that's expensive to make, expensive to produce, but the people who really want it are willing to spend their money and wait through the design process or yeah. sort of be there. Anything with, like, also, like, it. a niche market, too. I'm mm-hmm. amazed, like, somebody, I think one of the top, funded campaigns was a video game and he was just like oh man i love these video games from when i was like a kid they're like first action something and he was like but you know worked at a big video game producing place they're like but apparently they don't sell as well so i'm not i can't get it green lighted like is anybody else interested and you know like from the market like a big corporation's perspective like there wasn't a market for it but there really was and you were like, I, I love these sex toys from when I was a kid. I right. get them started. I got a market for it. Yes, yeah. So we've been talking about um, the Eva. 
from Dame Products. Is that the name of the company? Yeah, Dame yeah. Products. Like um, a lady, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Alex Fine, for stopping by. Um, she's going to stick around after the break. But first, wanted to get in a word from our sponsor. This Sunday on Showtime, the critically acclaimed series Masters of Sex, starring Michael Sheen and Lizzie Kaplan, returns for a provocative new season. It's the swinging 60s, and Masters and Johnson have been thrust into the spotlight with the publication of their controversial study. As their newfound fame and pressures mount, their relationship becomes a twisted and tangled love triangle, putting these unlikely leaders of the sexual revolution in a position that even they might not be able to handle. Masters of Sex, new episodes Sundays at 10, 9 central, only on Showtime. Now let's move on to our second topic, what it's like to have an amateur dating coach. So for um, the Cuts Advice Week, Allison hooked up with author Kate Bullock, who wrote a book called, actually, I forget the name of it. Spinster. Spinster. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically handed over the keys to her dating life to Kate. How'd that go? Um, it was it was great. Uh, I think, <laughs> like, but un- uh, no, fortunately, the the best um, pairing out of that weekend was me and Kate. We like really fell into a deep thing, and I like text her now, help. Um, but it was good. So she she um, I had one first date that I texted her throughout, and she kind of gave me advice like, should you flirt with his friend? Like go ahead, which I never thought was okay, which was wonderful. And like, should I smoke a joint with this person? And she gave me some advice there, which was no, but I did anyway, and she was right. So should listen <laughs> to Kate. Um, but it was kind of like a weird how quickly I became codependent on having this like instant feedback on what I was supposed to do and like what do I say on tinder who you know who do I talk to at the bar do I have to go to a karaoke party with my friends or can I go like out on the prowl and she was gamely just trying to steer me in the direction of becoming a a confident single woman but not necessarily the best like at dating so by the end of the weekend I was just happy to be just me and Kate, if that makes it's sense. It's sort of like having the like angel devil on your shoulder, except you just had the angel. I only had the angel. Yeah. And then, so angel. what was the goal? Were you trying to find, you know, is it successful dating or was it being like a powerful, strong, confident woman. I think well, hopefully could... those don't have to be different. Right? <laughs> no, 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 but maybe are... you can explain why this person, Kate in particular, would be someone to advise your yeah, life. Yes, okay, so Kate, as you'll remember, she wrote um, an Atlantic cover story in 2010, 11, um, all the single ladies, which was like kind of the precursor to a book that's like maybe we're not all going to end up with somebody, women, because like there are more women than men and we're all better than men. She didn't write that, but I'm going to loosely translate that into that. <laughs> um, and But it's okay to, to be single and here's how to live like an empowered, healthy, single life that isn't you chasing down men or settling. Um, and so I think that article both haunted me and resonated with me for a long time because the thought that you're you know, your grandmother's advice that there's a, a lid for every pot might not be true is terrifying, but it's also really empowering to think that there's a way to be like happy and single and not panicked and trying to find like lock down a man. Um, and I Although ironically, a, when she wrote the book, she immediately got into a long term relationship. Got, yeah, right? like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, when she wrote the book, she also like it was funny. She said she had to work very hard to stay kind of like empowered single woman once she decided to be an empowered single woman all of a sudden she was like turning down dates there's so much pressure left and right yeah um so and did you feel that way about her like you looked at her and you were like oh my god this woman is she's fully a fully realized like powerful 
single lady admirable single lady oh totally I, yeah. I like i was immediately smitten and when <laughs> we uh we had lunch together before we started our our text relationship and she looks like a little this is so weird if you're listening to this kate but she looks like a, like, <laughs> a like a blonde jenny lewis so she's like beautiful and i'm like what do you know about being single but she's actually just like very warm and caring and also like big sisterly so i like left feeling like i had a big sister and like a camp counselor idol all in one which is nice and what was it like handing over like handing over your dating life to someone else like was it was it liberating or weird or it was initially horrifying because i i mean i'm used to like talking about dating um in a really performative way and i went into the sum in the piece that like i'll kind of cherry pick the best meaning the worst moments of every date and like you know tell all my friends like oh you'll never believe this crazy zany story with the worst guy on the planet and that's like how i i go about dating in fact you sort of said that you may you may be suspecting that you're dating people in order to collect to those stories story. yeah. yeah that's the only reason i date Honestly, why else what would you date otherwise yeah and also like that's what tinder is really here for right just to continuously provide me it's with all entertainment entertainment um but that's interesting to me because the one thing is that although you said that you know you're like oh there's sort of this relief of being honest about what you want, having honest advice as opposed to, you know, the girlfriends that egg you on all the time, there is that feeling of sort of female bonding that I think is a piece of that sort of storytelling or like, God, I'm going to go on this horrible date because I'm going to have the funniest thing to tell my friend. Right. This would be a different dynamic because it's not about the humor of it. But you do get the sense that that you and Kate forged something just by talking about the dudes. Right, because I immediately had, like, she kind of called me on my bullshit and I immediately had to start saying, like, like the real situation as opposed right. to like the very ed- like well edited funny version that's like oh I'm a dating disaster and she's you know kind of probed me to be like well what is it that you really want to like do you even really care that much or are you just acting like you care and I was like at the end of it I figured out that no I don't care that much <laughs> <laughs> and like not every date is a nightmare that will haunt me for the rest of my life some dates are just like a fine couple of hours spent and you can move on and not obsessively watch your phone or then right. text your friends the next day um so while it was really horrifying to give her the keys to the castle I think um it was ultimately really just like once you stop performing it and then you're like, oh, this is kind of boring. Then you like, you stop thinking people. about it so much. They're just people like liking each other. Like, yeah. a, like for, uh, I'm going to pick the one that I thought was interesting. Why not smoke the joint? Oh, so I did smoke. The, oh, but so what was her, like, you know. Okay, she said that like, unless you, you're certain you and your date are like both really social smokers, that could just like kill it in the uh, water. Yeah. Or like it could work out really well and you could have this wonderful new shared experience. Unfortunately, my date was not a social smoker. Yeah, but like if he's not a social smoker and you like to smoke, isn't it better to just find that out and get that out of that's the way? That's true. No, that's well, true. Well, if you're looking could for you some Could you be with a man thing? who doesn't right. smoke, Allison? Now we're getting way too <laughs> deep know. on this. Now I'm going to interest you. Um, <laughs> but it depends on exactly what you're looking for and I was just looking to like finish yeah. the night. Um, and <laughs> instead I got this poor kid like way too stoned and he couldn't have a conversation. And so oh, we're no. just like staring at the sunset having the same circle conversation and finally I was like I have to go so I wonder if he went home being like this is the most amazing night of my life <laughs> it's one it's, it's got to be one of the extremes did you ever exit interview him to find out what he thought the whole time um, I have seen this person again and he had an amazing time yeah and oh, I was good. like free to be me and walk out early on the date and, but you were more into his friend yes yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> does he did he know did he read the article no uh, be, uh, judging by our um, current co- communications, he still has no idea that this is being 
discussed in wow. very public forums. So we just thought you are a girl who texts a lot when you were texting Kate the yeah. whole time. Oh, I did. That is one thing. I was very rude yeah. all weekend because I would have to, like, text Kate about everything. So I'd go to the bathroom 80 times or, like, like you know, crouch down in a corner and text her. And then but it sounds like you got away with it. People, I guess people don't really care. You weren't, you weren't open about it. You weren't like, this is... No, I thought that would be weird if I was like I'm texting my dating guru. So I would think of the scene in in uh, in her where like you know the computer is like directing the prostitute to make out with Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> this is what I thought your whole weekend was like like somebody in a distant room, almost like with um like a microphone in, somewhere like a there's like behind a curtain at every party you yeah. go to is Kate Bolick. or somehow she has a screen that's like a Terminator screen that's like seeing everything through your eyes <laughs> right. and is like. Scanning typing for lines for you to signs say. Signs of life. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I don't know if I recommend it uh, for a long term, though. It did lead to some like weird codependency issues that even I guess within I, a single even weekend. Even within a single weekend. Yeah. By the end of it, I was like, Kate, are you proud of me for how I handled <laughs> the situation? <laughs> she it's was, funny. For the record, she was really proud of me. It's so. funny. Then it's you're good. like, is there just some core? level of codependency in every person and you just have to find the correct place to put it like the actual lid you need for your pot is the codependency it's, lid yeah, right absolutely like who can you be the most unhealthy or just like to, how do you <laughs> isn't that what marriage know. is basically ouch yeah <laughs> i guess it's like that conversation we're having the other day that you're like do you put all of your anxieties and all of your codependence needs on like the person you date yeah or do you spread some of that shit out to your dating coach i guess you friends? know i said i originally that you should spread it out but i think maybe you just find like a like a dating coach or like a relationship coach. One person. And put it all there. Your well, emotional yeah, whipping your emotion, boy. Yes. yes you could also like it. get a therapist. That's <laughs> what I think that's what people Says the therapist in the room. Oh, yeah, fair well, enough. I'm, I'm not. Fair enough, yeah. Alex. But this was better than a therapist because she wasn't judgy at all. I feel like. Therapists <laughs> aren't supposed to be judgy either. I guess <laughs> I need a better therapist. <laughs> yes. You know what though? <laughs> Therapists aren't available 24-7 that's like true. for texting. Yeah. They have to see other clients. Right. <laughs> right. I was her only client. So how have things gone with uh, Kate? Since that weekend, are you guys still in close touch? Um, we've exchanged some emails. But she isn't advising you on particular scenarios or anything? No. She sent me off with some really good advice, and I've had to res- like resist texting her for more advice. What but I respect advice? her boundaries. Just, you know, you're the, like, there's no better time to be, like, you know, your age, single in the city. It, like, doesn't matter. You'll look back on these days and be so happy that you, like, get to eat pizza alone in bed, even though that's, like, the most depressing way to end a Saturday <laughs> night still. But she's kind of right. Like, well, she's like, someday, if if you do end up married and all that shit, you're going to look back and be like, God, I miss the glory days. Yeah. And so, like, treat them like glory days for that reason instead of, like, some constant, you know, mental torture, as I think I do. So Why? I think you kind of <laughs> like the mental torture. I know. Sounds like, you know, like I that's think I have whole... some ex-boyfriends who would agree. But... <laughs> <laughs> So we've been talking about what it's like to have an amateur dating coach, which Allison Gainley did for our amusement. And <laughs> so that's it for this week. Uh, thanks again to Alex. Alex, where can we find your shit? <laughs> <laughs> you can find my shit at dameproducts.com. Our producer this week is Zach Dannerstein. Thanks also to Henry Malofsky, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. For Allison Davis, Maureen O'Connor, and this week Alex Fine, I'm David Wallace-Wells. We'll talk to you next time, and thanks for listening. 